Welcome to Life and Godliness. I am your host, Joanna Simpson, otherwise known as Josim. So many of us are struggling, stuck, lost, wounded, and hopeless when Jesus came so we could be free and live an abundant life. He wants us to enjoy him and enjoy life. But how can we truly do this if we are bogged down by life's problems? Well, Life and Godliness with Josim hopes to help persons enjoy life with Christ by sharing Christ-inspired solutions to everyday problems and digging up deep-rooted mindsets that skew our perception of the Father. To quote a popular artist, life is hard, but God is good, and he's patient in our journeys. So join us as we talk about life and godliness. Welcome to Life and Godliness with Joe. Today, I have Garfield and Marcia Blair. They've been married for 29 years with two children. They serve in the church there and they're ordained ministers. I am so, so grateful to have them here to speak on this um, topic of abortion. Welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Blair. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having us. It is so great and I'm so happy that you're willing to share your story with me and with my listeners. But just before we, we, we kind of delve into your story, one of the things I usually ask is how did you come to know the Lord? My journey starts at age 21 and uh, Marcia, who is my wife now, we had a, we call it boyfriend and girlfriend relationship. Then I decided that once you have a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship, part of it is intimacy, as we know it as sex. So we started to explore that part of relationship. And in Jamaica, colloquially, say, lo and behold, she got pregnant. And I wasn't prepared, ready to have a child, of a hostel of a child. I engaged some senior person to give us some guidance. And one person in particular, um, said to me, you're not ready. So the first thing came to mind was an abortion. Mm. Then that's when I opted to respond to what was said. And I went, took her to the doctor and we did, as you say, an abortion. Out of that experience, I felt that I did one of the worst things I could ever done in my life. I felt guilty. I felt so, I felt that there's no way God would forgive me for this. And as such, I started to pray and I started to seek advice. One person in particular told me, oh, um, God don't forgive you when you do that. You kill a child. And it was so, it was so hard on me. I must tell you, it was a guilt that I could not relieve myself from. I think it was going to push me to the point of insanity. So one evening as she came to visit me, I was taking her back home and I saw a lady coming from church. Um, you know, back in the days, they used to wear this thing on your head called, um, what's the name of it? Chapel cap. Yes, and she has on a chapel cap. So I said, there goes a Christian lady. And I asked her which church you go and so on. And she told me. And that Sunday morning, it was a Friday evening and the Sunday morning we both went to church. And that's when I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and that guilt that guilt that I could not relieve myself from the blood of Jesus Christ took that away from me and that's when I came to know him as Lord and Savior wow okay 
very, very, very interesting. Um, and Miss, Mrs. Blair, what, what was your perspective? I came to, to know the Lord out of that same ordeal. I remember there were persons from some denomination that didn't give us any hope, tell us that we have no lot in our path with God. That's one sin that God will never forgive us of. However, my experience was different from my husband because I didn't feel any guilt from it. Um, I didn't feel anything weighing on my conscience about it. Um, maybe because it was not my mm, core decision to do it. Uh, we were um, prompted and guided by others to, to do it. I feel like it wasn't my will per se, so I didn't feel any weight from it. But I suffered for at least one week. I suffered from physical pain. And I wondered um, frequently if my uterus was damaged and if I wouldn't be able to bear a child when I am ready. So I was tormented by that kind of thing. I would frequently wonder what my child would look like. If would it be my best child? Would it be a boy? Is would it be you know the most handsome or the most beautiful, the and um the most um successful in life? You know, would it be the next prime minister? You know, um I, I, that that kind of thing would haunt me. But um the pain, the physical pain, it was agonizing night and day. I was in pain afterwards, and I felt that I sustained some trauma to my uterus, as nothing would ease the pain. Wow. Okay. So, um, so what led you? So were you there with your husband the day he also gave his life to Christ? Yes. Um, that night when I went to visit him at his home, um, somehow he gave me a response that was not usual for a man. Um, he said to me, when did you come to, when did you come to look for me this hour of the night? Kind of not in the mood for, you know, and, um, because he would have to walk me back home and it's a long distance. So he said, okay, I'll take you back to, take you back part of the distance. And when, when we reached that part of the distance, when he saw that church member and he went to talk to her, wasn't even interested to talk to anybody from church. I stood over the opposite side of the road and they were there talking, talking, talking. And after a long time, you know, she called me over and said, come and join us. And, you know, I was there, um, you know, playing tough until I go over. And I heard her saying, I'm not safe for a long time. I'm a young convert. However, I know somebody confidential at the church that both of you could talk to. He would not tell not even his wife your private business. He would support you. He would pray you through and he would guide you. So we went to church together that Sunday morning. And would you believe it during the service? He was there rejoicing and praising God. But I was more like, I'm not a Christian, so I can't put up my hand. I think God would, God would strike me down if I put up my hand to worship him, and I'm a, I'm a sinful person. However, at the altar call, I, you know, he pulled me along with him, and we went to the altar. I did not know what to do. I didn't usually go to church, only in my childhood. So I just stood there looking. But when the altar call came, the gentleman who she referred us to, he took us one side and another senior church sister 
So the sister talked to me and the gentleman spoke with him. And then they brought us together, you know, and they said something to us that was unusual again. And I know it's the leading of the Lord. He said to us, I'm going to pray for you, but you first have to pray for yourself. Mm. And then he nudged me and said, you pray first. So I started to pray. I was only praying to please them, nothing more. But halfway in the prayer, I just felt my heart start melting up. I start getting serious. I start meaning what I say and say what I mean. Some words start to come to me. I don't know where those words came from. You know, and then I poured my heart and I repented before God. And we went back in the night and we just have this zeal to continue to serve God. And from then on, no turning back. Out of our pain comes this purpose to serve God. Out of sorrows come this eternal joy. Yeah, wow. So, it, I mean, your story really shows how God uses, as you said, anything to bring us to him. You know, yeah. he uses the things that, you know, for Mr. Blair, um, we felt guilty about to draw us to him. And then from your perspective, you weren't even interested. You were just kind of coming along. Yes, um, yes. You know, doing what you were told, you know, just not involved. But yet God, you know, kind of took you over. Um, yes. And that is amazing because it shows the different ways in which God works, but it also shows God's love for you as individuals, you know, knowing where you were coming from, knowing exactly where you were. And I mean, what it also demonstrates is the different responses the church can have towards, you know, when persons have terminated pregnancies and, yes. you know, that that the types of responses can cause, can almost keep people out. And then yeah. another one, you know, can invite people in. That's so true. So f for you, when with the pain, can you tell me a little bit more about um, what was that experience like with the pain, with the wandering, with the torment? You know, did it continue or did it stop? Um, it was almost constant. Um, it, would, would, it would decrease for a short period of time, but it was a very intense pain. I can't remember if it was like a sticking pain, a stabbing pain, but I know the pain was very harsh, so much that night and day I was crying. And I remember a family member came to the house to visit and he saw me agonizing and he brought me to a hospital. And the nurses were acting frantic and they were in frenzy they were furious they were saying my god what did you do what are you going to tell god what are you going to tell god you're doomed you're done you know that didn't give me no hope it's like whoa this is it and you know, they gave me an injection um and they said it's the strongest it's a narcotic so it should be able to handle the pain but the pain decreased a little bit, but it didn't stop it totally, not at all. But it continued for a while until it gradually started um, declining until, you know, I get rid of that pain. And giving our life to the Lord was the best thing ever because God dealt with it. I just feel deep down, I, I was healed. Being, being a nurse now, I realized the danger of it because I realized that tend to cause scarring of the uterus. And when you, you are trying to have a child in the future, 
um, the uterus can rupture easily and then that fetus will die and the mother will die shortly. It's, it's easy to happen, you know? And there are other things that can happen called um, uterine atony, where the uterus lost, lost its muscle tone and strength. And after you have that baby, even by C-section, um, the doctor's trying to massage the uterus so it can contract to get back like a tiny little orange and to go back down into the pelvis where it was originally. And the uterus cannot contract. It's lost, it has lost its muscle tone. So those kind of things happen because of previous abortions. And many times the, the family member we happen to um, don't tell the rest of family members. So when they lost a child or even lost their lives, you find relatives coming down on the hospital or on the staff, not knowing what had happened in a person's life. Because they mm. just keep it right. It's not a topic that is readily discussed. Mm. Thank you. And so, Mr. Blair, when you, in terms of your own guilt, um, when you became a Christian, you said, you know, the Lord dealt with your guilt. Was it something that came back, um, you know, over the years? How did you really... What, what kind of mindset did you need to have in order to get rid of that guilt? Okay, first of all, um, one of the things that I was grateful to be <clears throat> able to understand was that once Jesus Christ forgive me, I am, I am forgiven. And I settled it. So that guilt that I had, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. To deal with the future going on, yes. Remember our first child after that ordeal, when she got pregnant, she lost that child at about three months or thereabout. That question came into my mind. God, if she's ever going to have a child, what would that, that other child look like? And then quickly, I dismissed the thought that would have been me to we call it a guilt condition because um, one of the things the Lord has helped me to do in my journey with him is to, that scripture that says all things work together for good, I've always tried to find the good in bad situation that the Lord can speak to me too. And that always give me that, you say, that victorious step to get over something quickly so I don't fall into depression and fall into this longevity of, 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 of um guilt and absent-minded of God not there for me. So I, I always say, God, I see God in everything. God, what are you saying in this? And then I can let it go because when he speaks, he will leave my troubled mind. So that's how I deal with um, the issues when I face those concerns or those um, situations that would have want me to question or to come get into guilt again or to get into any depression. The Lord has helped me to overcome it, and I see things from God's perspective, and that was that's what helped me over the period. And that is so critical, uh, Mr. Blair, because I mean, I, and and it's interesting that you are able to to really just accept God's forgiveness. I think sometimes what happens is that we almost see forgiveness 
um, through the lenses of other people. So it's like we see God's forgiveness through the lens of other people. So when, you know, other persons come to us and say, oh, you could do that. Oh, you could do that. God can't forgive you. You know, that is what we hear. And so we believe that God doesn't forgive us, not recognizing that, you know, God actually says in his word that he will forgive us 70 times seven and you know as far as the east is from the west so so he will not remember he will no longer remember our sins um and so what that says to me is just how it is important for us as christians to have god's voice being more important than anyone else's voice and and, and that is very important because um you see god when God speaks, that settles whatever He says, and that is something that we have a we have a challenge to 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 um, to accept. Can a can can a loving God forgive such a sinner like me? Yes, He can. Yes, some of the condition might don't change, and that is something that I come to accept as well. Some condition might don't change now, or some condition might be have to live with. You understand? But at the end of the day, you can surely say. The Lord loves me in spite of. And if you can settle in that love that he has for you, everything else around you is secondary. And that's what has, has kept me as a, you know, in those young years of my Christian walk through this situation. I have, I have never seen myself in a position where God is holding this against me. Never. Even I lost the loss of our first child, I've never ever said, God, this is punish you're punishing me because no, I just said, God, you know what's best. You know how to work things out. And after a couple of years, we have two lovely children after that. And today, I'm grateful they're, they're in the church. They're wonderful. My daughter is in Japan and my son is looking to go away to study in Canada. So God have a way to restore and to bless you. And you have to take you see, one of the things we, we, we fail to do is to take comfort in the future of what God provides for us. <laughs> Sometimes we allow the present situation to determine what is going to be the outcome. The outcome is always better for the Christians. Mrs. Blair, um, I know that you said, you know, in the beginning you didn't struggle with any guilt, um, you know, because of how you viewed the pregnancy. Did you experience anything like that later on in life? I'm not sure if I can call it guilt, but I know I just keep wondering what um what kind of life I would live, what would happen to us, how we would survive, how we would nurture and support that child. Um, because we weren't Christians yet when it happened, and I wouldn't have anywhere to live, you know, as my husband said at that time we were very young and ill prepared. So um, but at the same time. You know, I'm wondering, I know if I brought the child, you know, some way God always make a way. So somehow the child would survive. But, you know, I, I wonder what a child would look like. That, that's the only thing keep um, bothering my mind, what a child would look like and be. And if it would be my best child, you know, what if, what if. But I just, as my husband said, I don't dwell on it for long. And I don't talk about it. I, and I don't really share that part with anybody. It's just something um that is within my mind for a while and then i'm like for years i wouldn't remember about it again until maybe sometime again till it pop up in my mind briefly and then it's gone again but i'm not tormented by it anymore or you know 
bothered greatly. I just use it in a positive way. Because I share my life story easily. I talk about my marriage openly. I share, you know, every aspect of my life. I just share it with people and talk to them, especially young people, because I don't want them to make the mistakes that I make. I want their lives to be successful and structured. You know, I usually say my life go back way because I um I get married first, then go back to school after get an education and then have children. Normally people would prepare first, you know, and get your education and and plan your life and then get married, you know, but I did it the other way around. But out of my experiences, I'm able to support others, you know. Um, and, and in terms of the torment, you spoke about the torment. How did you overcome that torment? For me, it was giving my life to Jesus Christ. It was definitely that. Oh, okay. From the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me. I've, I felt such peace. I just felt clean throat. I just felt this, this purity inside. And then this newborn found joy and zeal and zest. Uh, all I want to do is to just read the Bible, listen to gospel songs. Just, I can't wait for the next church service to come to go back. So like different things occupy my, my mind now, my thought process, my internal space. So I no longer you know, look back or struggle with that. Thought with come to mind, but it's so brief, it's so short-lived, that it doesn't have that negative impact anymore. Christ has made the difference. Praise God. Mm. So, so, so what the, it sounds like what the Lord did was he created an environment where your mind was washed with something else, as you were saying. So you were yes. reading the Bible and listening to songs, which almost could have pushed out um, and, and quelled the torment that you were experiencing. Yes. I, I, I share an experience with you. I remember this, this elderly church sister who guided and supported us because um, that morning when I repented and gave my life to the Lord, we went back to church the evening and during the altar call, we went up again. And I remember I, was, I knelt down and I was, you know, in, in deep focus. I was praying to God. I was repenting. I was, I was naming out my sins one by one. And some of my sins, I remember clearly, I whispered them because I didn't want nobody to hear them. And I was crying out, crying out to God that when I finished praying, church over and some people um, start leaving. And I remember this elderly sister, she took me up in her arms and she lift me up off the altar and she walked me outside and she said, just believe God. God has forgiven you. Your sins have passed. Go home, you know, rejoicing in God. And, and she always talked to us and said, don't go to each other's house anymore lest you be tempted and fall again. She didn't know about the abortion. Nobody at church did. Um, um, and but she counseled us not to go to each other's house, but we kept on going to each other's house. But it was for no carnal reason anymore. We were just anxious to share God's word together, to pray together, and worship Him together. That was our only interest, and to share Him with others, and you know, keep going to the house of the Lord. It was the most exciting thing we have ever experienced. Really exciting. And it's so amazing that you experienced it together. Yes, yes. That both of you, you know, gave your life to the Lord um, at, uh, um, together. 
did you find that terminating the pregnancy affected your intimacy um, and, and sex life going forward? No, not at all. Not even 1%. No, not at all. No effect on intimacy and the ma marriage because um, you know, we thought about it together, the decision that we made, you know, and we got saved, that is behind us. We start a new life now. So at no point in time I can remember that that past experience creates any barrier between us, any hurt, any division. We have our differences, but it's for other reasons, not because of that. None at all. And you know, funny enough, I remember when I lost that um, child after the abortion and when I lost that child two years after, um, it, we call that a spontaneous abortion because it happens naturally. I remember I asked the doctor why and it's as, it's as if I'm asking the doctor to play God because the doctor doesn't know. He said to me, you know, God made the body intelligent. Sometimes it's going to be a deformity and the body rejects it. So all we have to do is to give God praise, you know. It, it's, a, it, it, it's a painful situation, but he's showing me a way to find joy and to glorify God despite the pain. There, there's something good that could be behind it. And another reason, too, I was told, uh, when you have an abortion before, one of the rippling effects, every time the pregnancy reaches that same stage of the abortion, the womb rejects it because what you're doing with each abortion is training your womb, training your uterus, training your body to reject the pregnancy. So as soon as it reaches that level, it rejects it. So I, I usually wonder if, you know, um, know that we want to have a child together, if it will keep happening, I'll keep having this miscarriage. But thanks be to God, um, we have a son and a daughter and we are satisfied with the two. Mm. You ask a question. For me, um, the Bible said there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And uh, again, as I said, that, that 20th, 20th of January, 1991, when I went to the church and I gave, I gave my life to the Lord, it's like everything was brand new, as 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says. All things become new. I didn't see her through the lens again of the immoral life that we used to live. And then I seek God because that's one of the things I was concerned about. Um, even though we went to church together, I make sure I prayed and said, God, is this the lady of my life? Is this my wife in the future? And even though we're studying the Bible together, going at each house together in the presence of somebody as family members there or so on, I never just take it to the fact that she's going to be my wife. And she will tell you that. And in fact, I struggled that one time until the Lord spoke and he said, yes. And five months after we got married. And then, as I said, you know, that wasn't an issue to say, boy, I don't, I distance myself from her. So no, because now I'm in Christ, I see things through the eyes of Christ. And that's one of the things that has kept me, you know, victorious and allowing me to overcome some of these things that I would have faced because once you can see things through the eyes of Christ, you have it made. In spite of all the condition there is, you've got to see things through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And that's what allows us to overcome those kind of um, struggle. If we, if we had it, 
that's what would have helped us to come over. Thanks be unto God, it didn't work. That it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't a part of our um, relationship when we get married. That struggle wasn't a part of it. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. So definitely, what I'm hearing from both both of you is just, you know, once you've come to Christ, your sin has been wiped away. Whatever you've done in the past, you know, you, you start anew, you start afresh. God had God gave you a fresh start. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I just, you know, just really having it sink in because forgiveness, I recognize self-forgiveness is one of those things that, you know, we talk about, we know, but it's very hard to apply, you know, because there are certain things that we do and we say, yes, it's wrong. And it, you know, we regret it. We hear other people's perspective. So it's like, how can God really forgive us? Um, but I, I, I like that both of you have you've taken God at his word and you've accepted it. And that is the basis on which you continue your life. And, uh, you know, you sound so free and excited, you know, it's a well, pleasure. Yes. Well, you see, the, the thing about um, being free is to understand who frees you. And that is very important to understand who gives you this freedom. <laughs> and the person that gives us this freedom is the person who will never hold my guilt against me. That's the most important thing about Jesus Christ I love. He said that I, I, I put your sin into the sea of forgiveness. Um, remember, and I remember your sin no more. And not only that, when he forgives you, he makes everything new. That man that came to him blind by Tinimus, the name is, if I get it right. The thing that I love about that, that man, when the disciples, Jesus said to the disciples, bring, tell him to come. After he was calling, 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 he stopped and he said, that man threw away everything that he has. A blind man do not cast away things or throw things away because he has to feel to find them. So he puts them at places that he can come back and get them. That man knew once Jesus called him, he will never return back to that place of begging anymore. And the thing that Jesus said, Jesus said, you want to receive a sight? And he said, yes. And Jesus said, be the whole. In other words, then he never just only received his sight, but everything that was broken become whole back in his life. And that is one of the things that, again, who forgives you? What authority he has? What does he have as God? And when you understand that, man, life is sweet going forward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, I, you know, I don't want it to be taken lightly. This freedom is not necessarily something that, you know, we come by very easily right um even as christians i remember you know one of the scriptures i've been reflecting on is um in hebrew 6 where the writer says you know there are certain foundational truths that we should have already accepted and repentance and the forgiveness mm -hmm. of sin is one of them but you know as i said before it is so hard to, to to really grasp it and receive it so you know i pray that even as my listeners hear you and hear the freedom that god has given you that they too will receive freedom from Jesus um, for whatever it is that they feel they are, you know, too beyond um, forgiveness, you know? So 
yeah, whatever they believe, they are beyond forgiveness for that they will receive the forgiveness forgiveness of God today and enter into his freedom. So, uh, and I want to say, I want to say something, sorry to, to butt in here, but the Holy Spirit just want me to say this. We have never, I can't recall, I've ever done it and she has ever done it. In our 29 year of marriage, going 30 years in a couple of months time, we have never looked back at each other and said, you cause it. We have never played that blame game. Because, you know, you can, you can marry and then when teeth and tongue start and the issues and like when she lost the first child, we could say, oh, you because of And she could say, you make me look like me not having. We have never brought up that matter to, 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 to condemn each other because we know we were free. And I'm speaking to persons who sometimes this thing happens. And you might look at your spouse and say, Did you make this happen and are you wired? And, and I don't know if I'm going to ever be. And so on, and you start to blame each other. No, once you come to Jesus Christ and you said, Jesus, I forgive. I am asking you to forgive me. Please don't take up what he take away from you. Leave it where he left it. At the cross, under the blood. And stay free. Mm. And that's an important part, you know, because as we process our feelings, as we process some of the things that we do or have gone through, you know, many times it really is easy to blame the other person. Um, and, you know, just to, to help us to be able to cope with what we're going through. And, you know, so that is such a critical thing, especially since you both have continued a relationship moving forward. And, you know, that could be used as a, as a fighting piece, you know. <laughs> As a bullet, <laughs> you know, so I, that is definitely wisdom there in, in, in leaving it out of, you know, arguments, disagreements, and just, you know, however you, are, you may be feeling at the time. Um, and just what I wanted to find out is, you know, your children, is this something that you've been able to speak to them about? And, you know, what was that process like for you? Okay. Um... Since my children reach adulthood, I have spoken to them about it. And I feel free. Uh, I feel at peace. I am I'm open with them. I have an open relationship. And they will tell me, you know, deep things. You know, they will always reserve some things. But they share with me and I share with them. And one day, I just felt it to level with them. And I didn't do it with them together. I did it with my daughter first. And... um. She was very understanding and, you know, supportive. And she was happy that it led us to the Lord, that out of something bad came good. And, um, and she was amused that, you know, God used that situation to call us into his purpose and to call us together because he could separate us. And, you know, we're saved, but not together, you know. And, but um, he just grabbed a hold of us and keep us together. And we can continue to share and enjoy intimacy, but it is pure this time because marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. So, and then one day um, there was an opportunity and I spoke to my son about it. And, you know, he was good. He was good. And they handled it maturely and everything. So if they should hear this, this um, broadcast, it's not shocking to them. And they can't say, Mom, you never tell me this before. And, you know, they, they, they understand so they can. Okay. 
Um, were you at all fearful in terms of what their responses could have been like, you know? No, I wasn't fearful because I set the platform before and based on the mood of previous conversation that we had that would lead to me telling them, it just flowed. So I didn't have that fear of what they would think. I had that fear before when they were younger. So I waited until, um, you know, they were much older and, and they would be free to talk to me because um, my children, when, when I want to discuss um, intimacy with them or, you know, anything sexual, you know, when they're, they reach that teenager or even younger, the preteen, you want to tell them about, you know, their bodies, what to expect from the opposite sex and, you know, how to control themselves and things like that. They would be shy away and, mommy, no, and cover their face and they don't want me to talk. So they wouldn't let me. I'm really open to them and tell them about that. I know they learn it at school, but I want to share with them as a mother and do my part to guide them and tell them. But they always shook me off like they're too shy and they don't want to hear it from me. And you can't talk about that with your mom and, you know, they kind of like that. But when they're older, they're like, but you were a whole good conversation with me. I remember um, when my son um, first started to have interest in, in the opposite sex, he asked me some questions like, mom, uh, at what age can a, can a young man, you know, start to have feelings? And he didn't tell me that he ever feel any feeling for anybody else. But based on the questions he was asking me, I know that, you know, it was happening to him. And then I could guide him from a Christian perspective and as a parent you know, and help him to walk the street and narrow part and focus on his education and on Christ, you know, that type of thing. So you have a certain type of openness with your children that really helped to create that platform um, yes. to, to broach the subject when it was time. Mr. Blair, what about you? Well, my wife is an explainer and she's a talker in, in this regard. I am more instructor. So we normally have what you call devotion on, um, on a Saturday night. Still do have, not as what we wanted to because of distance and so. So at that time, I'll use that opportunity to speak to them on a few things. And I'll instruct them, should say, on a few things. Then she will go and explain to them afterwards. Um, we also have what you call family dinner, most Sundays. Something we look forward to every Sunday. We sat there, they look about the table, we look about the food, we sit down. And again, I give instruction there. My wife will explain afterwards. <laughs> so for me, I, because I, I, I didn't grow up in an environment where I have a father explain stuff to me. I must tell you that a lot of what I learned is since I've become a Christian and so on. And some things I'm still trying to learn. I mean, but I, I, I'm going to, I, I talk to my kids, but not as all my wife would have. And I would more say, son, you know, you get older now, you're going to see girls like you, be careful in the devotion, I will talk about it. And say, what, what, what? But my wife will sit with them privately and talk more with them. So, as again I said, I put it the way I, I want to. I'm more of an instructor, and she's more of the explainer and the talker. Well, well it sounds good because you, you know your role in terms of you know 
um, the difference between yourself and your wife. And it's quite likely that the Lord uses both ways to, you know, support your children's perspective on the various issues of life. Yes. God never make a mistake. He knows how to put two persons together because each child needs both parents. Although um, across the world we have a lot of single parent families, but ideally um, God expects the mother and the father because they have their distinct role. And um, where one have a strength, the other one may have a weakness. We're, you know, so we balance each other. We must complement and support each other in the relationship. And that could be our next program because there's so much we can share on that, but uh, we'll leave the focus where it is now. But God is good. God is good. But can I say? And, and one other thing I, I, I want to say is as well is that um, you got to learn to love your wife before your children. And let them see that you love her. The little things that you do, the gifts that you give, the places that you take her. Um, the very fact that sometimes you come home and there's a meal on the table and she could come and have it rather than you waiting for her to come home and cook and you rush home. Cause like me, I do business, so I have more time on my hands. So most of the time, sometimes I just come home and cook and I don't wait until she gets home because I know the challenges that she has. And children will see those things. Um, Jamaican man, we have, we are not that affectionate in enough areas of our lives I must tell you that but most of our affection come to our responsibilities um, washing the car and doing some necessaries that the, the wife would look forward to for us to do and that is something that has kept us together I mean as again I say we're not affectionate we're not like kiss up kiss up sometime and we're not like cuddling up in the city watching TV all the time but we are in there watching the clean up the dishes, making sure that um, certain things is put in place, the children's beds are clean up and all those things. So there's different things work for different persons because different persons come from different environment, different backgrounds, and of such you have to understand each other. And I tell people all the time, um, one of the greatest things to do is to understand your partner and also to educate each other before you expose because sometimes you don't, educate and you don't understand and when you expose each other to things then you want to fix what you should have been fixing two five six seven years ago so that's one of the things that has kept us together as well understanding each other yeah and that is that is very critical so would you say there is a stigma um you know stigma for persons who have terminated pregnancies very much so very much so but it is seen in a negative light. You were told, um, you know, it's, it's a life. You have killed a life and you're called many names. Um, I can say one of the things that had caused me not to have a guilty conscience, I was told this is early stage, no, no fetus, no baby, don't start forming up yet. It's just a little blood. You're just washing away the blood before it forms up into a giant. So you're not feeling like you kill a child. You just wash away a little blood that would form into a child. So the belief and the, and the myth, you know, um, you, you're not having the understanding, the level of education. So therefore, you just go with what you are told and feel it's okay. I didn't kill a life. I just wash away a little blood that would form up into a child later on. 
it's amazing what people do. Mm. I know, I believe that, you know, as a church, we, in a sense, struggle with, you know, it's like sometimes when you offer love to someone regarding something that, you know, we view as um, a sin, something that God is not pleased with, it almost feels like we condone it and that we are agreeing with it. Someone has terminated a pregnancy and they, the, they've approached the church now, but the church is a bit concerned that if they um, extend a hand of love to the person, that it will almost seem as though they are condoning it, um, you know, agreeing with what was done. And what would you say to someone who has that struggle in their mind? I would say that we need to have a balanced approach. Christ is all about love, yet Christ does not condone sin. He's a just God. So whilst we, t we want to tell the person, be honest, what you did was wrong, you know, encourage the person to repent, get the part clear with God, be cleansed in the blood of Christ, recommit yourself to God, and we are here to support you and to help you along because every one of us commits sin at some point in our life. In fact, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's the grace of God that brought us thus far. So we want to let them know what they have done is wrong, you know, and give them time to sort themselves out and help them through the process, you know, while not um, casting a condemnation on them. All right, and Mr. Blair? Well, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save lost persons and there's no you could say there's no um sin is sin no matter what it is so with an abortion the first thing you have to recognize that you take a life and that is what i was conscious of i've always said this um life is a gift from god what you, do, what you do with that gift is what you give back to God. So with that understanding, I would say that you have a responsibility to admit that this is wrong and I need the loving harm of my Savior to save me. And the church has to realize that one of the greatest miracles for us all is the miracle of forgiveness. And that can only be found through the love of Jesus Christ. So the church has to embrace the very fact that that is what Jesus came for. Again, you're not condoning it because it is sin, but at the same time, you have to still operate under the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is his express love for us. So we're coming to the close of the session, and I want to kind of shift the discussion to, you know, um, you know, so for those of us who may have friends or family members who have had abortions, how can we support them? What's the kind of perspective that we need to have in order to support them well? Well, I would say one other thing, find persons who understand what it means to forgive, to forgive you, to, um, to forgive, for, for God to forgive you, you should say. And, and, and that is a very I would say one of the most critical areas of support because you can't get support in something that somebody keeps beating you down that, oh, you, you're going to hell, you're going to hell and, and you're struggling with this, with, this, with this burden of and guilt 
and then they're, they're beating you down. Find persons who will lift you up in terms of your forgiveness and um, also support you in areas where you might um, blame the person who allow you to have um, or introduce you to this, this, this abortion. You've got to find persons in the church because I'm telling you, it's not everybody in the church can handle this kind of crisis and this situation. So you've got to find that group or that person will assist you through this period thank you mrs blair yes um you may have christian and non-christian persons listening so um when you if it's something you do repeatedly you will find it harder to forgive yourself i i want to discourage persons from practicing abortion, um, it, 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 it is so risky on your health. It can cost your life, you know, not only the life of that fetus, but you can die in the process. It can prevent you from, from having subsequent pregnancies you know, or live births because of the effect of abortion. People do need support. We need um, emotional support, you know, psychological support, you know, physical. Um, when you when you when you are contemplating abortion, you know, or you have done it, people need place to to live. Sometimes you have to move from where you are, you know. Um, some some family members may may condemn you and you feel all alone, you may become suicidal. So it's very important to have a support system, you know, um, to help you pull through. If you have not done it and you're contemplating it, you need support system to help you to change your mind and to have hope, to know that, you know, there's a way God can pull you through. You can carry this child. If you can't afford to take care of the child, maybe a responsible family member, a friend, or maybe you can give up the child for adoption rather than taking the life. There are contraceptive, a wide variety of contraceptive methods. And in Jamaica, healthcare is free. You can go to your nearest health center and you can get a contraceptive method of your choice. And you can take that rather than choosing abortion to to space your children or to choose how much you will carry, you know? And if you have done it already, I want to point you to Jesus Christ, who is your hope. He will deliver you. He will forgive you. He will receive you and give you peace and help you not to repeat it again. I would implore persons listening out there not to condemn people who have done it. If, if the world was perfect, we would not need Christ. But Christ came to mend broken pieces, to heal messed up lives, give them a chance to recover, walk them through the process, help them find healing and comfort and support and strength to overcome and not succumb. God bless. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, I mean, I think you've just answered, you know, what I would have asked as, um, you know, the last comment. So what I would ask you to do this time then is just to pray and uh, um, pray for, I'm going to ask Mrs. Blair to pray for the woman, pray for the woman who have terminated pregnancies and uh, 
Mr. Blair for the men who have, you know, encouraged their their spouses or, you know, didn't even encourage, but they've they've also been part of the abortion process and they're, you know, they're struggling as well. So I'm going to ask you to pray for both of them and then we will close. Dear kind and heavenly father, we want to thank you so much that you are the God of love. You are the God of grace, the God of peace, the God of strength. Lord God, I commit to you all women who have terminated pregnancies before, whether one or several, Lord God Almighty, I commit them to you. I pray that they will repent. I pray that they will turn to you for there is hope in Jesus Christ. I pray that you will comfort them. I pray that you will deliver them from the spirit of guilt and torment, from any demonic stronghold that is leading them to committing such act. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for divine intervention and deliverance. And I pray, oh God, that you will lead them to a good support system where they can find strength and find peace and they can go through the process of the healing in Jesus name. We thank you for the victory. We thank you for your love. We thank you, oh God, that this does not mean condemnation for anyone. This just does not mean the end. There is life. There is hope. There is deliverance with Christ. I thank you for hearing. I thank you for forgiving. I thank you for delivering. I thank you for healing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you again that you are a good, good father. And one of the things that you have as a father, as the character you possess as a father, is to love us and to forgive us. Father, I pray for every man out there that has gone through this um, abortion act who have supported even their girlfriend, their wife. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you bring this conviction on their heart for them to realize that it's a life. It's a life. And life is a gift that comes from you. Whatever we do with that gift is what we give back to you. So I pray, God, that they'll recognize that that gift can become the next prime minister, the next Usain Bolt. Oh God, that gift can become, Lord God, the next senator. So I pray this night in the name of Jesus that that conviction will grip their heart, that conviction to know that you will forgive them, that conviction to know that they are doing something that is wrong. Father, I have friends who I know that have done it. And I pray tonight that you speak to their heart, that they realize, Lord God, that they need you and your forgiveness. Father, I pray tonight against every plan and working of the devil because the word of God declare Satan come to steal, to kill and destroy. And that's his plan to destroy humanity. So I pray God against the spirit and destruction of the enemy over our men, that they will stand up and arise, Lord God, and take responsibility. Lord God Almighty, our fatherhood, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do and those you're going to change, those you're going to challenge, and those you're going to deliver. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much, you know, for sharing your story and for those prayers. I truly pray that, you know, tonight as... Um, persons listen to this episode that truly things will have been broken and that they would really be able to see the father hearts of God you know towards them Blairs thank you so so much I really thank appreciate you, you coming you here too. it's it was, a pleasure it, it was truly awesome 
um, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please remember to go on my Instagram page and follow me at Journeying with Joe. That's J O U R N E Y I N G W I T H J O. That's on Instagram. And then Journeying with Joe One on Facebook. I love, love, love to hear from you. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye. There is none beside you Open up